I want to look at Romans 14 this morning, and it has a, a great particular message for us. You know, there's a lot of things that um, over the years people have uh, called sin that may or may not necessarily be sin. And one of the things we have to do is keep our, our eyes and, and, and our minds anchored um, and, 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 our, and our hearing and our consciences anchored in God's Word if we want to rightly define what sin is for our lives. And this is part, still part of our sin series. We talk about what the, defin, the definitions of sin. And if you really want to find um, the definitions of sin, the best place to look, of course, is the Ten Commandments. And then in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The Ten Commandments give us God's will and way for our lives. The things that we need to stay away from and things that we need to do. Jesus takes that law and says, the issue is really within the human heart. Because the source of sin is within, not without. We also talked about how temptations are not necessarily sin. Temptations happen outside of us. Their source is in the devil. A temptation itself is not sin because we all are going to experience temptations. The, the, the thing is, are we going to follow those temptations that come to us? So, so we've been talking and building on this, this idea of sin. But sometimes there, there are things that we <clears throat> condemn other people for that are not necessarily sin. And Paul warns about this thing too. First of all, our, our response should not be to condemn but to give rightly what God's Word says. And we want to be careful to do that. We want to be careful. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and we also want to be careful, too, um, to not use our freedom to cause somebody else to stumble. And, and for our own conscience's sake, we, we need to understand what these things are. What God considers good, what God considers bad, is important. But there are some areas where we don't know exactly because the, the Bible may not address them as strongly. Or some things that, that we do condemn that maybe the Bible doesn't necessarily condemn. We want to be careful. And so Paul says, all right, um, he, 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 here's a way for Christians to live so that you can understand what God's Word is saying. Romans 14, beginning at verse 13. It says this, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Two sides here being held in tension. Don't pass judgment on someone. Don't cause somebody to stumble by your actions. <laughs> I know I am persuaded, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, you um, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us 
pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is, not good, it is good not to eat mink or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let's pray again. Lord, help us, God, to understand your word and understand what Paul is saying here. This comes from you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And help us, Lord, to live as believers according to your will and way. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Paul wants us to be careful to keep um, mutual love and unity among the believers. And a lot of the things that were happening um, here in the Roman church, and he addresses this, it happens in the, the church in Ephesus, in that letter to Ephesus. It happens in both letters to the Corinthians, um, especially Corinthians. I mean, my goodness, the Corinthians were, were a wild bunch if you read those letters. Um, but anyway... Uh, Paul is, is saying that as believers in Jesus Christ, first and foremost, you've repented of your sins. You've considered yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. Um, because you repented of your sin, the atonement is applied to your heart and life to purify your hearts. And, and, and you've been made believers. You've been given God's Holy Spirit and now you're believers. Now how should we live with each other? And how, how do we deal with, with things that may or may not be called sin in, in God's Word, but, may, but maybe can lead to sin? And um, a, a lot of times what was happening in the Roman church is, um, and, and, and in these other Gentile churches, not necessarily Jewish specifically churches, but in, in, in the church in Rome where you had both Jewish and Gentile believers, in, in Ephesus, that was a major city, and you had Gentile and Jewish believers, and Corinth was the same thing. Um, you, had, you had all these various groups coming together, some coming out of paganism, some coming out of strict Judaism, and uh, there was a lot of things, especially that the Jewish law said that you weren't supposed to do. And what they were often doing was accusing their um, Gentile brothers of being sinful, sinful people. And when, but they weren't necessarily being sinful by what they're doing. Surely we know that there are things that, that the Bible calls sin, like sexual immorality, stealing from someone, theft, murder. Um, and, and, and Jesus takes that even further. If you have hatred in your heart towards someone, that, that's sinful. That, that's the source of, of murder. I mean, I mean, we know what the Bible says is sin. But here Paul is addressing a few things that, that people had certain convictions about that, that may have been a personal conviction for that person but might not have been a personal conviction for somebody else. There, there, there are areas um, where, where the Bible does not call specifically sin that may be okay for one person but maybe not okay for another person. But maybe that one person can handle this, kind, this particular kind of activity. Maybe another person cannot. 
And what we have to do is operate from what I, what I call a God-controlled conscience. If God is telling me not to get involved in something that may or may, not, may, be kind of, uh, may or may not be sin, then we shouldn't do it. But if by our own conscience it's, we think it's okay for us to do that, then it's fine. And there are plenty of examples of Scripture um, where, where this talks about. And Paul specifically talks about eating and drinking. Now, we, we say, well, how can eating cause a problem? Well, in that day, culturally, what was happening here was if you went to the marketplace to buy meat from, from somewhere, especially in these big cities like Rome and Corinth and Ephesus, a lot of the food there had been sacrificed to an idol. In fact, a lot of the marketplaces were in the temples where people came and worshipped these false gods. And, and, and if you went there to purchase meat, then, then uh, sometimes uh, people say that, okay, that, that, that you might fall to the accusation that maybe you were eating food sacrificed to idols and by implication sharing in the worship of these false gods. I think that's where Paul is coming across here as far as eating goes. Now we know that, that overeating and gluttony for, it, it can be considered a sin. If that's the case, y'all better pray for me. <laughs> but my problem isn't so much overeating as what I eat. Um, and, and I'm trying to do that. I've lost, um, I'm, I'm glad I've lost about 15 pounds and I'm trying to work some more on that. Um, so pray for me. <clears throat> but anyway, the, what, he, what, he, what he's really talking about when he's talking about food here is food that's sacrificed to an idol. Should we eat that or not? Okay. Some Christians were condemning other, other, believe, other Christians for going to um, the temple to buy meat. <laughs> um, of course, the other big, big issue that Paul talks about here is drinking wine. Now, we all know, even today, what kind of effects wine has here. And I'm, I'm going to go through that as an example here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, drinking wine in and of itself is, is not sinful. Um, food in and of itself is not sinful. Th th those are benign things. They're neither um, uh, moral or immoral. They're amoral things. I would even say um, some other, other examples, too, was how we spend our leisure time, how we um, spend time in entertainment. Um, God invented leisure. He, he, he gave us play. Play is part of the way in which we transcend the world that we're in. And, and, and that's very much part of the image of God. God Himself is transcendent. I mean, why else did He give us a day of rest if He didn't want us to experience leisure and entertainment and, and, and enjoy other people and, and, and even get involved in some sort of playing um, like sports or other games? Um, how we spend our leisure time um, is, is, I don't think is, is necessarily a matter of, um, of, of sinfulness. Some people will say, you know, just taking leisure at all is a sin. And, or, or getting involved in any, any kind of entertainment is a sin. Um, I, 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 would dis I beg to disagree. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, that there's a lot of things out there that we can be involved in that aren't necessarily sinful. And, you know, I, I, I like reading, um, I, I'm a big science fiction fan. You know, sci, you know sci, there's a lot of atheists who write science fiction. Does that mean I'm an atheist? Of course not. 
I mean, I, I love things like Star Wars. Star Wars is not is is um, a little bit more theistic in, in in its approach because there's the whole religion of the Jedi thing and all that. Um, some people say, "Oh my goodness, don't get involved in Harry Potter because there's witchcraft in that. Um, it, it, it's sinfulness." And and I'll I'll agree that Harry Potter's a little bit on the nose when it comes to witchcraft, but it's not any different um, than than Star Wars in the way that it presents it. Plus, it's fictional, and 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 your conscience may not be. I'm affected by those things. I mean, my, you know, being involved in Star Wars doesn't necessarily mean I want to get involved into Eastern meditation and other religions. It, it's that, it's that, that's not a temptation for me because my strength is, is strong. Now, it might be a temptation for somebody else, and if you think that uh, these, the, the Eastern symbolism that, that's all through Star Wars is something that's going to bother you, then don't be involved in it. I mean... <laughs> Carolyn Vernon gave me a birthday card that had Darth Vader on it today. I'm thankful for that. Um, but, but, you know, there, there are some groups that, that say, and, and in their general rules, that you can't go see a movie, that you shouldn't go to a movie theater. Now, what do you do with something like, um, or, or even in a rated R movie, but what do you do with something like The Passion of the Christ, which, is, has, which has an R rating? Or the, this new movie that's out there, Jesus Revolution. Um, I can tell you that, and this is my personal conviction, and, and I'm just going to tell you guys straight out. There's a lot of Christian films that I don't care for. And, and the reason I say that, is, it's not because they're, they're bad in and of itself. I just don't think that they, they've, ever, they've ever been very good. And, and they tend to be for believers and not non-believers. I'm more interested in a Christian-based movie that attracts non-believers. And this Jesus Revolution is one of them. Um, from what I can read, I haven't gone to see it yet. But from what I read, it's about um, uh, the life of Greg Laurie, who was one of these um, you know, hippies who got saved in Chuck Smith's church, and he began welcoming hippies. And so out of that, you know, the Jesus movement was born and, and all those good things. And the Jesus movement is very relevant today. I mean, you look at this current generation and the revival that's happening in, um, in Asbury. I think another Jesus generation, Jesus movement is, is, is beginning to happen. But, you know, <clears throat> we shouldn't condemn other people because they like going to, to movies. The, those things are, are benign in and of, of themselves. Now, can you um, get into sinful movies? I would say that there are plenty of sinful movies out there. What ones that in particular that glorify sexual immorality, what we need to be careful of because that can lead us into sin. Especially sinful lust. And and the Bible says that, that covetousness and lust are wrong. Those are sin for us. Now Maybe, maybe you know, certain movies don't bother, bother you. Maybe some others do. Maybe there's some that, 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 that will lead you into sin. Maybe others won't. Th those are personal convictions that I think God, you and God, can work out. In fact, Paul says, keep it between you and God. And, and, and the reason Paul says this is, the reason he says keep it between you and God <clears throat> is because what you by conscience think it's okay, maybe another believer doesn't think by conscience it's okay, and it might bother them personally, and it might cause them to, drag, to uh, uh, be drug away into sin. 
In other words, by what you affirm, you know, don't expect other people to, to affirm it, or else you might drag them away into sin, not really meaning to. He calls it the term stumbling block. It's the idea of, of walking along and stubbing your toe on a rock and then falling on it. Paul warns that, that by what you affirm, you might cause somebody else to stumble, and, and that's wrong too. And, and, and he says that is a sin. Causing a stumbling block for other people is a sin. So, so whatever, whatever you think by conscience is okay, keep that between you and God. Don't necessarily flaunt it in front of other people. And that's one of the ways that, that you keep unity and grace. And he, and he also says, why, why let your good be spoken evil of? Don't go around flaunting this stuff that, 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 that you think is okay and, and, and then be condemned by other people. Now you're saying, well, what do I have to hide from people? What, what do I have, what, what do other people have to do with me? Why should I care about what other people think about me? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this about that. Um, Christianity, if it's about love, means that I love other people. And I don't push them and pressure them into things that, that I like, that, that are okay, if, if they don't think it's okay, and, if, and, it, and something might cause them to stumble. And, and, and honestly, you know, what I'm getting around to here is, is the one thing that I think is very important, and, and that is the use and abuse of alcohol. Now, some, some groups are teetotal about um, alcohol, some others aren't. Um, our denomination in its general rules, um, if, if you become a member, one of our general rules says that you are not to be involved in drunkenness or spiritous liquors. You cannot be a member if, if, if you're involved in drunkenness or spiritous liquors. In other words, liquors that, that are distilled specifically for their alcohol content. It does not necessarily uh, ban all, wine and beer per se, but it does, in, in, our general, in our general rules, very specifically talks about you know, drunkenness and spiritous liquors. Now, if you want to look at the Bible and see, and see what it says over the centuries, first of all, God, and Paul says it here too, God made it so, you, so it's not unclean in and of itself. When God talked about the blessings He was given on the land to, to, to His people Israel, he says, I want to bless you with grain and wine. When Jesus came in, uh, on this earth, one of the first miracles he did was to bless a wedding in Cana by turning water into wine. That means to me that, that wine in and of itself is, 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 is an okay thing. It, it, it is neither moral or immoral. It's an amoral thing. It's something that God himself created. And there are passages in the, in the Old Testament where God says um, to, to give wine to the people so that they, they can forget their troubles and those kinds of things. But there are also plenty of warnings and, and prohib, uh, prohibit, uh, prohibitions, excuse me, I'll get it out here in a minute, prohibitions against alcohol. For one, if you um, decided to take 
a, a, a vow before God for a certain period of time so that you could draw closer to Him. They called it the Nazarite vow. You, you, were not, you, you were to let your hair grow long, not, not cut it, but you were also not to partake of wine in any shape or form dur during the period that you took this vow. Why? Because, because the Bible knows that if, that if you're drinking wine and you happen to get drunk off of it, that's going to somehow pull you away from your relationship to God. So there are some negative things about wine too, and, and I would say it has to do with drunkenness. Drunkenness is called a sin throughout Scripture. The other thing too, the priests, if, if you were going to be a Levitical priest, and during, during the time that your service, um, that, that you were serving the temple, and, and, and they did rotate their service in the temple, I think you, you took service for one year, you are not to, to drink wine during that time while you were serving in the temple. Period. None whatsoever. Some took the Nazarite vow for life. Like uh, Samson is an example. John the Baptist is an example. I believe he, t it didn't say specifically, but I think the way he, they described John the Baptist was that he was a lifelong Nazarite. In other words, if you want to especially dedicate yourself to the Lord, you stayed away from alcohol. Why? Because it might cause you to be drunk and stumble. So, so we've got to weigh the good with the bad with that. When Paul talks about, um, later on in, in, Galatians, in, in um, excuse me, Galatians uh, chapter 5, if you want to look at that for a second, what it says about alcohol, and I meant to have this marked already, but it's right here. Galatians 5, um, beginning at verse 22. I'm sorry, going back to verse uh, 19. Now, if the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these, I warn you as I, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, very clearly Paul says that drunkenness is a sin. So in other words, wine, while in and of itself may not be a bad thing, it can lead someone into sin. And so I think that um, you know, our, our, our rules in the EMC are, are correct. They handle it correctly. It says that, that you know, stay away from those things that are going to make you drunk. Those things that, that are specifically distilled for their alcohol content, you need to stay away from spiritous liquors and, 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 and drunkenness that, because spiritous liquors can lead you directly into drunkenness. Wine and beer, maybe not so much. But we've got to accept this idea that by my conscience, my conscience might affirm beer and wine, and it might be fine for me, but it might not be fine for somebody else. And I can tell you this, as an EMC pastor, by the rules it says that I'm supposed to preach total absence from alcohol, and I'm not supposed to have anything to do with alcohol. Even though we don't necessarily hold that, member, that uh, standard for members, it is a standard for me. 
And I can tell you that personally, I agree with that standard. I don't want any, personally, I don't want anything to do with alcohol, period. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Number one, <clears throat> um, because I, I believe that by my conscience and my calling, I, I'm sort of like that, that Nazarite vow that they talked about. Um, God doesn't want me involved in alcohol, period. Number two, um, honestly, and it might not, you know, you might not think this, but I do. I think alcohol is poison and there's no good to it. <laughs> there, there, there's no good use for it. Yes, I know that, you know, if you, if you get a little bit of whiskey, um, that might be good for breaking up congestion in your chest. But if you do anything else beyond that, um, you better be careful. Number three, <clears throat> and, and, and this is probably a little bit more important than, than number two to me, is the, the destruction that alcohol has done in our society. Um, I can't, by conscience, confirm, uh, affirm it in any shape, form, or fashion. Now, you, you yourself know all, all of the deleterious effects about alcohol and how it's hurting our society. Maybe by conscience that that doesn't bother you so much, and like I said, that, that's fine for you. But for me, I can't affirm it. And one of the reasons that John Wesley put this rule in his general rules, the, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, is because gin was destroying the, the nation of England. At one time, there were more pubs out there than, than there were churches. <laughs> and, and now it's kind of flipped. There's still more churches in England than, than pubs because of John Wesley. But gin, what, what was happening was it, they were brawling in the streets in front of these bars and, and, and some of the um, patrons, especially these noblemen, were paying young people to fight and, and get drunk and fight and see who could win. The other thing, too, was that mothers were giving uh, gin to their babies to make them sleep at night, and a lot of them were, were waking up to find their babies dead. It, it had become an epidemic in England, and this is why he said, stay away from, if you're going to be part of our Methodist societies, stay away from drunkenness, stay away from spiritus liquors. But even today, the, those things still have a detriment in our society. I mean, we, we, I, the number one... Um, uh, thing about fatalities, especially automobile accidents, is alcohol. That's the number one factor. In, in, in automobile deaths, alcohol is the number one factor. So by conscience, I can't support it. And then the other thing, too, is um, I might be genetically de uh, predisposed to it because we, we know that, that alcoholism a lot of times it involves a gene um, and, and people, ha people are more susceptible to the effects of alcohol and, and, and become more easily addicted to it. Not everybody, but a lot of people can become more easily addicted to it. And my grandfather, um, on mom's side, was an alcoholic. And um, that caused, a, he, he was not abusive, but it caused a lot of embarrassment for her family, for her and her family. And, uh, and uh, alcohol is, is, is destroying families and people even today. So by, by all those things, I can't, by my conscience, affirm it. And if I myself am, am involved in it, you know, that it would violate my, my conscience, period. I, I couldn't do it. And he says, Paul says very plainly here, if you can't do it by faith, then it is sin for you. But if you enjoy things like beer and wine, 
you know, keep th- that, that's fine. It doesn't bother your conscience. Keep that between you and God. If you can do it in faith, then do it, but keep it between you and God. And how that might, might that look practically? Well, you might drink at home, or, or you might drink w- with people that you know are okay with alcohol, and, and not get drunk off of it. The minute you get into social drinking, you, know, you, you risk um, other people seeing it and, and being affected by that, or condemning you for it. Not only causing somebody to stumble, but condemning you for it. If you're okay with that, then keep it between you and God. If you can do it in faith, keep it between you and God. Um, we don't allow alcohol here for any kind of um, function. And it shouldn't, in any kind of church, function publicly. If we go out somewhere as a church, um, no one should be involved in alcohol. So, you know, it's one of those things of conscience. It might not necessarily be a sin for you, and God may not, might not necessarily call it sin, but it can lead to sin, and it might lead somebody else into sin, or it might cause somebody to, to condemn you. Those things that, that, that are by, by conscience, keep those things between you and God. And don't necessarily use your freedom, as Paul says elsewhere, as an occasion for the flesh, for pride. Or, or, or for leading, leading into other sin. Don't, don't, don't let those things destroy your walk in Christ. Don't let those things destroy other people's walk in Christ. You know, we have to be careful about um, what we push. Do we have freedom in Christ? Yes. We have freedom in Him. And, and you know, it sounds like sometimes when, when, when you preach a sermon like this, it sounds like you're mudding in the waters a little bit. Pastor, I'd, I'd rather you... Um, Preach on, uh, you know, uh, uh, not not running around with women who who drink, smoke, or chew, or dip, or whatever. <laughs> um, we we would rather, you know, talk about those kinds of, of of outward sins that we see all the time. But I can tell you this: um, when you do that, all you do is make a surface Christianity, an outward form of righteousness, which is what we've been talking about. We don't want outward righteousness on its own or on its surface. What we want is an inward righteousness. Inward righteousness produces outward righteousness. Outward righteousness for the sake of outward righteousness, that's all it is. We're putting up a facade. But we want Christ to transform our hearts so much that we love God and others and that everything that we do is to please God and and, and to show love for others and, and, and to keep love and unity and faith. We have to be careful not to be caught up in the things of this world, so much so that, that we hurt the unity and, and love in Christ. But what we affirm by conscience and, and, and in faith, let's keep that between us and God. Keep that between you and God. Yes, Lord, I know I'm free to do these, these things in you. Um, food sacrificed to idols is nothing because idols are nothing, Paul says. And, and you might know that, but it might hurt other people. Keep that between you and God. Lord, I, I think I can partake of, of wine and beer and it not affect me. And, and I'm fine with it. Keep that between you and God. Don't push that on other people who might either condemn you for it 
or, in the, or, or might be affected by it and cause them to fall and stumble. For conscience sank and for the Lord's sake. Look to God in faith when you do those things that, that the Scripture does not necessarily call sin. I'm not saying everything out there is okay. Keep it with, with God, what God's Word says. God word, God's Word defines sin in the Ten Commandments. God, God's Word defines sin in the Sermon on the Mount. There's other places too, but those are two main areas I think about. But, whatever, but those areas that the Bible does not necessarily call sin... We have to make them a matter of faith. Can I in faith do this and it be okay? If the Bible doesn't call it sin, then by faith can I do this? If my faith tells me I can't do it, then I better not do it. Because then it becomes sin for us. It might lead us in, into sin. It might lead us to fall. It might lead us into drunkenness. But if by faith I know that I'm okay with, this, with, with beer and wine and, and, that, and, and, and those kinds of, of, of things then that's fine. Keep it between you and the Lord. Affirm it by faith. Take care of, you know, um, what was it? Uh, Martin Luther, um, you know, the father of the Reformation, came out of the Catholic Church and um, said there was lots of abuses of, of Catholic Church. But he also, also had his own brewery. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's those kinds of things that we have to, we have to be careful about, though. We, if, if we can do it in faith, then fine. Keep that between you and God. Don't necessarily push it on other people around you. And keep the unity of faith. Keep the unity in Christ. And if God calls you especially to ban alcohol from your life, then you better do it. Because what God says goes, that there comes a time where we have to allow our consciences to be controlled by God. If, if you think it's wrong and, and, and you think it's bad, then you better not do it because you're violating your own conscience. But if you can do it in faith, then fine, but keep that between you and God so that you don't cause others to fall. That's the message for today. Let's stand.